for some folks to be lost. Well, that can't be true because the Bible makes it very plain that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, the Bible said that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But in this thing of what they, they believe that a person, it doesn't matter, it's uh, if, if, if they've been chosen of God to be saved, they're going to be saved whether they want to be or not. But that's far from the truth because, let me say this, when a person gets saved, the Holy Spirit of God begins to uh, get in that person's heart. And, and what he will do is he brings about conviction. And I've often said that I believe when a person truly gets saved, they're going to have convictions that, uh, that uh, know that's going to be proven, if you want to say that, that they're truly born again. Until a person realizes they're lost, they cannot be saved. And, uh, and so when, a per when the Holy Spirit begins to deal with that individual's life, and, and I've given my testimony time and time again, and how that God was dealing with me, uh, and, and it took time. And, but after, when I did accept Christ as my Savior, some things changed automatically. And, uh, and I've given testimony of that, so I won't bore you with that this morning. But I'm just saying that uh, when I got saved, there's so, there was such a change. Uh, the direction I was headed before I was uh, saved, I, I wanted to make a lot of money and, and, uh, and have a lot of things and so forth and so on. And, and we did. But when I got saved, I just found out those things were not important. The things that I used to think that was important, they weren't important. And so he talks about here, uh, if any man be in Christ, he speaks of impartiality. He's not, he's not uh, you know, he's, God's not partial to some. And, and, uh, but let me say this, salvation is for everyone that will do two things. And that's repent and receive. Repent and receive. Because the Bible says in Luke chapter 13, he said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And of course, there's people uh, in independent fundamental Bible-believing Baptist churches that believe that repentance is a work. But it's not a work. God has, has said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And so there has to be the thing of repentance. The word repent means to turn from to. In other words, uh, when a person uh, gets saved, they're going to turn, uh, turn from sin and turn to the Savior. That doesn't mean they will be sin sinless. It doesn't mean that. But I believe when a person gets saved, they will sin less. And so he talks about here uh, impartiality. Then he talks about it's a, a universal uh, appeal. It's for all men. It's not just for some. All are invited. Uh, the Bible said, whosoever will, let him come. Jesus said, you will not come to me that you may have life. And, uh, and so he tells us it, it's a universal thing. It's just not for uh, certain uh, people. And then it's an, indiv it's an individual application. Now, what am I talking about that? We, we see the Bible says that, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Okay, so God loves the whole world. But I have to realize that God loves me. See, salvation is a personal salvation. I, I, what, what I, I would just love to be able to, to get saved for people, but we can't do that. I can't get saved for you. You can't get saved for me. It has to be a personal, it has to be a personal application for us. And so we see here, I can't come to Christ for you, and I guarantee you, you know some folks you love. If you have lost loved ones, and you say, man, if I could just get saved for them, but you see, the lost person, they don't realize what they are missing. They really don't. And so we see here it's, it's sufficient. It will cover the sin uh, of an individual. If they would just repent of their sin, be willing to turn from it. In the, bar, in the book of Mark, the Bible said, Jesus said unto them, repent and believe the gospel. And let me say this. I believe that repentance is part of the gospel. We have to be willing to turn and so then we see the message of the, uh, that uh, he's given us. Then the miracle of creation. The Bible said he is a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things are become new. Now let me say this. <clears throat> there is a doctrine called sanctification. Okay, sanctification. We have salvation. That's when we accept Christ as our Savior, being willing to repent of our sin. And then 
we, and once that happens, now we have call, what is called separation. We have that which is called sanctification and it's called progressive sanctification. Now what that means is this. When a person gets saved, let's suppose an, an individual would get saved today. Well, they may not know what God requires of them uh, because they're babes in Christ. That's what the Bible teaches us. And so we as believers and we as folks is going to, oh, by the way, let me pull over here just for a second. I pray for a young fellow that we talked to this, this uh, Saturday when I was having the wedding or maybe it's actually Friday. And uh, he's going to come and talk with, with me uh, Tuesday. So pray that he'd get saved, okay? Then if he does, I'm sure he'll come Sunday and uh, next Sunday and let you know that he got saved. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> you see, there, there's a difference in the life of a believer. That's sanctification. We're being set apart. And it's progressive. And if a person gets saved, they may not realize there's some things that they should quit doing. And, uh, and, of course, the Bible teaches us, though, the Holy Spirit, when he comes to live inside of a person, he will teach them and bring all things to their remembrance. But what he's talking about there is talking about progressive uh, sanctification, which means there's going to be people that, that unless they're in an independent, fundamental, Bible-believing church, I didn't say Baptist, I said Bible-believing church, they won't know what to do. And so that's why they need to come. That's when the Bible says that uh, the, after salvation, then the next step is what? Baptism. You see, a lot of times people get saved and they think, well, the next step is I need to start teaching a Sunday school class. No, that's not what it is. Uh, we need to follow the Lord in baptism and then we to teach them to observe whatsoever I've taught you and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. And so the, the, the sanctification part, progressive sanctification comes when, when a man of God or a preacher, are they reading from their own private devotions? And, and God will illuminate the Word of God. That's His job. The Holy Spirit will do that. And I may be preaching this today to believers, everybody in this room, as far as I know, knows Christ as your Savior. But we have to realize that that new, new babe in Christ, they will do stupid things. They'll do things that they shouldn't do. Just like a, a physical baby. I mean, if, I guarantee you, if, if, if you have a baby and say that baby's two or three years old and, and, uh, and, and if you would uh, put the rat poison over in the corner, they'd pass up two gallons of ice cream to get to that rat poison. They get into things they shouldn't get into. And, and I'm just saying this, that progressive sanctification. And as we grow in as believers, as we come to the house of God, there's some things that God says, now this is what's going to happen. If indeed you are saved, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things pass away, and behold, all things have become new. The things that would become new, now before I was saved, I didn't like going to church. I just didn't like it. I thought that church was for, uh, just it wasn't for me. It's, it's too boring, and the preacher would, uh, if I'm going to sit there and let that man holler at me, and then he's going to take my money and so forth. So I just didn't, I wasn't into church. But <clears throat> when I got saved, it, it, automatically I fell in love with the church. I, I just did. I mean, I wanted to be there. And, of course, we lived in that time. We lived in Alexandria. We'd drive every Sunday up to church, 91 miles one way. So uh, when a person tells me that they live too far to go to church, I, I have a little problem with that. Because most people don't drive, uh, what that be, uh, 182 miles a, a Sunday. And uh, that's what we would do because I wanted to be in the church that I believe that preached the gospel, preached the truth. And so I moved. I wasn't looking for a church. That my pastor told me, he said, listen, there's some churches down in that area that, uh, you know, that's a good Bible-believing churches, and you could go there. You wouldn't have to drive. But I said, no, this is where I was saved, and I just believe this is where God wants me. And, of course, sometimes when you make a, a, a commitment like that, <clears throat> finances will all of a sudden fall off. And uh, that's what happened. I mean, we left, I left a good job and I was making at that time what people would consider a lot of money. And I took a job and uh, wasn't making nowhere near that. But it was just something that when, when, when I got saved, and, and, and if you've been saved, if you're truly born again, you're going to be able to say amen here. Things that I thought was important were no longer important. 
And I wanted to be around the, the things of God and I wanted to grow as a believer. And listen, when you have that, when you have that inside of you and you want to hear more from the Word of God, I never have gotten tired of listening to the Word of God. Never have I gotten. It'd be soon be 51 years and I haven't gotten over it yet. But I'm just saying here, the difference that Christ will make in the life of a believer. And, and I don't know if you've ever, there was a man by the name of Sam Jones. Now he said if you would get on your computer and you'd type his name in, uh, he was a preacher of years gone by. But Sam Jones, before he was saved, let me tell you the life of Sam Jones. Sam Jones was a drunkard. He had it so bad that when his baby died, he went into the funeral home. He took the shoes off the baby and sold them for enough money to get liquor. But when God saved Sam Jones, he turned his life completely around. And let me say this, if any man be in Christ, he's going to be a new creature. It, it may take, uh, it, it will take some good, it takes some good preaching. You know, that's what people need to, this soft peddling pre, uh, preaching. It, 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 I don't know why that preachers feel like that. Well, I got to be careful what I say and who I say. I, 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 I'm sorry if you don't, if you don't catch it, if you have any problem, I'll talk to you after service. But I'm just saying that, you know, that's what we need today. The Bible said the job of a preacher is to cry loud, spare, spare not lift up your voice like a trumpet and show my people their wicked ways. What is my job as a pastor? It's to, it's to get us to see how God wants us to be. And, 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 I've, just, and I've said this before. My, my position here as a pastor is to get you to fall in love with Jesus. Now, once you fall in love with him, what's going to happen, everything else will fall in place. And sometimes that, that teaching or that preaching, some folks, they don't realize that when a pastor tells them something from the Word of God, shows them something from the Word of God that he is picking on them. And I, when, every time I think about that, I think about Brother Randy Myers. I mean, he came to church and, and, uh, and I didn't know what his problems were. I never did ask anybody. But every time he'd come, he said, you know what? You are always on my case. I said, Brother Randy, it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit of God. And, and he's showing you some things. And so he the, the miracle here of cre uh, being, re uh, being the old nature passing away. And, and, the, and the old nature is always there inside of us. That doesn't leave us. But then there's a new nature. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. So we see the miracle here of, 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 being, of creating in us. Creating in us the difference Christ will make in the life. You see, old things pass away. Now let me give you uh, three things that will happen that will be evident. First of all, it's going to be a visible change to others and to, to uh, ourselves too. When a person gets saved, the Bible said that there's going to be a visible change. It's called testimony. The greatest thing that we have as Christians, other than prayer and Bible reading and salvation, is your testimony. And you can lose it so fast. We can lose it so fast. Because here's what the devil will do. He will make sure that when you throw that little fit, that there's people that you witness to. You're trying, now that you got saved, you're excited about being saved and going to heaven. And so we want everybody to go with us. And so we witness to him. He will make sure that you will throw that little fit while they're watching you. And then there's another thing. Not only is it a visible change, but there is a thorough change. All things are become new. You see, before I was saved, I, I didn't, I, I'd pick up the Bible every now and then. I, I don't know why I did it, but because I, I didn't really like it. And, uh, but uh, you know what? After you get saved, I fell in love with the Word of God. And that's what I'm talking about. It's going to be a visible change. It's going to be a thorough change. And I didn't, I, I, I didn't pray before I got saved. And, and, uh, but after I got saved, my wife and I, we, we'd have a prayer meeting every night. I mean, we'd get together and pray for folks and pray for our lost loved ones and so forth and so on. But then uh, there's going to be that radical change. And that's a new creature. And uh, by the way, Christ will manifest himself in our lives. That's what becoming a new creature is. 
Christ begins to manifest himself, himself inside of us. What we have to realize, folks, as believers, is that we're the only eyes and the ears and the mouth that God has down here on earth. And uh, we need to be, uh, when we become new creatures, this is easy to understand for even me, we're now under new management. <laughs> That's why the Bible says in Romans 10, verse 9, that thou shalt confess thy mouth, the Lord Jesus. If you underline that word Lord, that means the master or one in complete charge of your life. He is the Lord of my life. He's the boss, if you want to put it that way. And so we see the new creature, creation serves a new master. Before salvation, I, I had a master. Before your salvation, you had a master. His name was Satan. And by the way, we listened to him very good. We did those things that we shouldn't have done. Sorry we did them after we got, I tell you what, once you get saved, you'll look back on your life. I don't know about you, but with me. And I, I wondered, why did I wait so long? You know, because the devil would tell me, well, listen, if you get saved, you're going to have to quit doing this and this and this and this and this and this. Listen, the Bible says he is a liar and a father of it. I, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't quit doing anything to go to heaven. Because if I could have, Jesus would not have had to die. But now I'm under new management. You see, a person that is a new creature, he will, uh, he, he will serve him faithfully. You know, the Bible said it's required of a steward that a man be found faithful. And you know, when a, when a person becomes a new creature, a new creation in Christ, it's something that they do with all their heart. And, and, and what we have to understand, listen, if, if you don't love church, if you don't love the Word of God, if you, the, you better make sure that you know the Savior. Because, listen, when we get saved, the, uh, the Bible said that by this shall all men know you're my disciples if you have love one for another. And we have to understand that the, that the church is a family. And the wedding uh, yesterday, I noticed many times when people were saying something to Caleb and Taylor that said, now we have an extended family. The family's getting bigger. And uh, because Taylor's uh, a, a, a family now is really part of us, part of our family. And let me say this, when you get saved, I believe you fall in love with the, with the people of God. Some of the greatest friends I've ever had in my life as Christians. That's why I like to be around them. Now, there's been some that's been hard to love. It's hard to kiss a porcupine. But I'm just saying that there's some people it's hard to do anything with. But, but I'm just saying this. A new creature speaks of a new message. A new message. It speaks about, uh, and I'm going to get on something. So if you don't want to hear the truth, put your fingers in yours right now. Even your songs will change. Uh, there's, uh, you know, there's some folks when they get in a vehicle, they turn the radio on. They like to listen to music or whatever the case may be. I, I don't like to because it, I can't keep my mind focused. I have enough problems without all the outside interference. Uh, but there's some things that uh, there's some things that will change. The Bible said we're to speak to ourselves in hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in our heart to the Lord. You can't turn on, uh, I'm going to hit about everything. You can't turn on ACDC and, and be, be in tune with the Lord. You can't turn on a country music. Country is just as bad as rock. Uh, you know, there's a tear in my beer and I'm going to do this and so forth and so on. And if they take away dogs, trucks, and mamas, they wouldn't have any country music songs. But and that sort of thing. And, and, uh, but I, I, I do like occasionally, I like, uh, I like southern or, or either bluegrass. Uh, some of my families don't like bluegrass uh, Christian music and Penny she's getting all she's a, but anyway uh, I'm just saying uh, I, I, I can't listen to that but I'm not real crazy about that I, I'm just not and, uh, but I'm just going to say this when you get saved the songs and this is what I emphasize the old songs the old songs it has meat to it and I've mentioned this the other night and, and the hymn book that you have, the songs that we will sing, if you look at, up, at the top, there's verses of scripture that goes along with those songs. 
When a person says, well, I sing gospel music, they may sing religious music, but very few people sing gospel music because the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And so we have to understand some things. There, there's going to be a, a, new, a new fervency. There's going to be uh, that in our hearts to serve him. There, there will be a, a, a faithfulness will come into our hearts. And there's going to be that new song and songs about Jesus. And that's what we should be listening to. But today, churches now are being bombarded with, well, we have to, to do, change things to fit what people want to do. Well, we'll just have church once a week, and, and at that time we'll have praise and worship centers, and we'll take the names off of our churches so we can just fit in with everybody. And, and yet the Bible said, how can two walk together lest they be agreed? And we have to understand something. When a person is saved, they will become a new creature. They will now come under a new management in their lives. And then I want you to see not only the message. I, I want you to see not only the miracle, but the moment, which is decisive. The Bible said, behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. In other words, salvation, you don't get it on the installment plan. Uh, Romans chapter number 8 tells us that, that if the Spirit of God does not indwell a man, if you have not the Spirit of God, you're none of His. The day that the moment that you bowed your head and you asked Jesus to come into your heart, He did that. And so you're not saved a little bit at a time. You're completely saved. Not only are you saved, but I came from a denomination that when I went to church with my mom, they would pray for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. In other words, they would say there, there, there's a second blessing. First blessing is, is being saved, but then the second blessing uh, is to be uh, baptized into the Holy Ghost. Well, let me say this. Contrary to what the denomination believes, when you get saved, you get all of the Holy Ghost that you're ever going to get. You get all of him. And he's promised, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. And the problem is today that we have all the Holy Ghost that we're going to get, but he doesn't have all of us. Because when a person gets, is led by the Spirit of God, when their lives begin to change, progressive sanctification begins to come, you get closer to the Lord. And listen, I hope I'm closer to the Lord today than I was 50 years ago. And I hope that you're closer to the Lord today than you were the day that you've got saved. I mean, we're beginning to grow as newborn babes desire the milk of the word that they may grow thereby. God has a plan for the believer not to stay a baby, not to stay that, 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 that you know, like the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, I couldn't feed you with uh, meat. I have to feed you with milk because you're, you're babes in Christ, even still. See, a person, that doesn't matter if they've been saved 35, 40, 50 years. If they've never grown as a believer, they're still babes because we are to grow. And so he talks about here uh, the, uh, the evidence or the manifestation. He said it's going to be, behold, now is accepted time. I, I've known people that say, well, you know, I, I, the Holy Spirit was dealing with my heart this morning. And, uh, and, but I said, well, I'll just get saved another time. You, you know, we don't have that promise. We don't have that promise. And so we see it's, better, it's no better time to accept Christ than right now if the Holy Spirit is beginning to deal with you. And there's been folks that uh, had professions of faith and, and, uh, and they come to church and they hear the word of God and they say, well, you know, listen, my life doesn't add up to this. And what will happen at that time, they will get saved. And then the things that we're talking about will start to make sense. Does that make sense? <laughs> and so there's no better time. Forgiveness is now. You'll never see in the Bible where the Word of God says, you know, don't get saved today. Maybe wait till Wednesday night or Sunday night or maybe do it next week. You won't see that because now is the time. You see, now is the time to, for, to receive the forgiveness of sin. Now is the time. It's, you see, 
We, we don't have a promise of tomorrow. We don't have a promise of tomorrow. And so we see here it's dangerous to put off salvation when a person hears how to be saved and, and, uh, and, 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 and God wants to save you and they put that off. You know what happens? They're living on very dangerous grounds. They're, they're saying, listen, I just don't believe. I, let me give you a for instance. Um, I've been so winning before and I begin to talk with someone and, and they say, well, you know, uh, I, I know what you're saying and you listen, preacher, I, I'm going to, I'm going to get saved in one day, but not today. This is what I say. I said, well, would you make me a promise? And they say, well, yeah. I said, I want you to promise me that you won't die next week. You know what they always say? I can't promise you that because I don't know. They're getting to the answer to the question that I wanted them to see all along. We have no promise. Then I'd say, well, if you, don't, if you can't promise me that, when would be the best time to get saved? And they say now. And then you can go ahead on with it. You see, people just, they just think that, well, you know what? People die. I mean, they're dying all around me all the time, but it's not going to be me. It's going to be another fellow. Brother James and I was talking a little, was mentioning something this morning before the, uh, before the service and talking about uh, he believes that we're going to go up into rapture. Well, I've always believed that too. But, I, but you know what? As I look at the scripture, Paul believed that too. As I look at the scripture back in the book of Acts, they got so busy because Jesus said the same way, you see me go, I'm going to come back again. And so they got so busy, they went out and won the, the church of Jerusalem to themselves. 120 people turned Jerusalem around two years, 170,000 people were saved. And I believe, I believe that he's, he could very possibly come back before I, I would check out of here. But that's not up to me to say. And by the way, there is a positive of going up before the rapture. Let me give you the positive. You say, what in the world would be the positive of that? You see, when you go up, and if you, go, if you would die today and go to heaven, you would see the priestly, uh, priestly aspect of Christ. You see, once that we go up in the rapture, there's no more need for a priest. So we could see that. And so that wouldn't be a bad deal. Listen, there's no bad way to go to heaven. That's all I could say. And uh, I remember years ago, John R. Rice was preaching down in the south somewhere, and he was preaching on bootleggers. And, uh, and so there was a bunch of bootleggers. They'd come outside, they was making fun and blowing the horns, carrying on and trying to disrupt the tent meeting. And so one of them came to John Rice and said, uh, John, Mr. Rice said, if you preach tomorrow night on bootlegging, said, we're going to kill you. He said, don't threaten me with heaven. <laughs> and you know what? We're, if we're saved, boy, it's such a wonderful thing to know that to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. No, no greater, no greater promise from the Word of God. For the believer, they don't have to fear death. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I don't want to die. I, I mean, I don't want the suffering. I don't want that. But this I know, but the flesh don't want that. But the, but the spirit of me, I'm ready to go any second. And I've asked God, and uh, I said, God, if you're through with me preaching, I want you to take me on home. And so I'm here today, so you must not be through with me with preaching. But I'm just saying, folks, listen, it, it, that the moment, this relationship with the Lord, I'm going to read you some scripture, and, and uh, if you want to turn to it, I'll, I'll take my time. I want you to note something here about being a new creature. John chapter number one, verse 12. How do I become a new creature in Christ? John 1, 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. You see, before I can be a new creature in Christ, I have to be saved. 
that Holy Spirit of God comes to live on the inside of me. He gives me the power to overcome. He said, sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but you're under grace. And so when that happens, when I receive Christ that day, 15 minutes to 9, November the 8th, 1970, that moment I became a child of God. That's why the change came. The change came. And, and the Bible tells us that when we receive Christ, Believe he died for me. Believe he became my sacrifice. Believe he died in my place. He shed his blood for me. Then I become a child of God. Galatians chapter number 3. Galatians 3.26 For ye are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. I've never seen God physically but I have seen him spiritually I've seen him with the eye of faith the day that I asked Christ to come into my heart and be my savior I didn't see him but I knew that he would do it because he promised he would do it it's this moment this new resources available it's because of Galatians chapter 4 verse number 6 because you're sons of God you're children of God you're sons and daughters of God you see, God sent his spirit uh, of his son. And Jesus said, now, I'm going to go away. He said, except I go away, the comforter will not come. He said, but I'm going to send a comforter to you. He said, I'm going to send one just like me to you. He's not going to be living on the outside. He's going to be living on the inside. And what a wonderful thing. What a wonderful uh, gift that God has given us, the Holy Spirit of God that's on the inside. We don't have to have someone tell us this is wrong or that's wrong. The Spirit of God tells us that. Listen, even before I was saved, I knew things I was doing was sinful, but I was doing what I was supposed to do. I wasn't supposed to be carrying my Bible to church because I, I, I was an unbeliever. The problem today is that, that we've made the, the unsaved uh, so so spiritual. You know, you get a guy on there and he, 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 uh, he sings on the bar on uh, Saturday night and then he goes to church on Sunday, stands up and on the platform and he sings, Oh, how I love Jesus. You know what the people begin to look at? Well, if, they, if he loves Jesus, he's going to heaven, so am I. We have to realize that becoming that new creation in Christ, those old things pass away. I remember hearing uh, Brother uh, Steve Allen, and I mentioned him a lot to you folks, and he was a blind preacher friend of mine. And before he was saved, he used to go into bars and sing. And, and, uh, and so one day he was in there, and he got saved. He had gotten saved, and, and uh, he was to have a, I guess they called it a gig. That's what they, he told me it was. I don't know what, I thought that was something to kill frogs with. But, uh, but uh, he said they were going to have a gig. He said, but I got in there and started to, started to play the music and so forth. And, so on, said, and he said, I'm telling you what, said the Holy Spirit of God spoke to me as, as plain if he was doing it in an audible voice. He said, you do not belong here. He said, that was my last gig. You see, the Holy Spirit of God, it's, it's that power that, make you what, that will make you what you ought to be. We don't, you see, we don't, folks, listen, we don't have to sin. We don't. Because the Holy Spirit of God lives on the inside of us. We don't have to sin. Why do we sin? Because it appeals to the flesh. Understand something about the flesh. The Bible said that which is of the flesh is what? Flesh. And that which is of the spirit is spirit. Why today are some churches that, you know, they put a lot of emphasis on music. And I like music too, if it's the right kind. Uh, but this is they 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 changed the the, the 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 what God is going to use to bring men to themselves. They they sing for forty five minutes, and then they they have a preacher that preaches a sermonette and smokes cigarettes and dresses like a majorette and drives a Corvette. And uh, but you see the thing is what we have to realize. <clears throat> you see they think that well this is that I'm doing my d duty I'm doing my duty. 
<clears throat> most churches like that, they have a service one time a week, probably on Sunday morning, because they want to make sure they get all the tithes and offerings in to keep that mess going. Uh, but the rest of the week, they just, you know, you do your own thing and just feel good about yourself and you come on back next week and I'll smile for another 30 minutes and you'll be all right, just make you feel warm. That's not what it's about, folks. That's not what it's about. We have to understand that he can be, the Holy, listen, the Holy Spirit can be restrained. It's very easy. If you haven't heard anything I've said, listen to this. It's very easy to quench the Holy Spirit of God. It's very easy to do that. Because anything that's not of God is not of Him. It's, it's, it's easy to suppress the Holy Spirit working in, 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 a, in a church. It's easy to, to suppress the Holy Spirit if there's sin in the camp. You read in, the, in your Bibles when Joshua and those came out of Egypt and came into Canaan land, there was a man that took a Babylonian garment and a, go, and a wedge of gold, and the Bible said that he caused Israel to sin, the whole nation of Israel. When they went into Jericho, they did not lose one man. But because of the sin of one man, they went up to Ai, and 30-some men were killed there. Because there was sin in the camp. And today in churches, we have now taken out the truth of the word of God. We want to make people like us and feel good. Listen, they didn't like Jesus. <laughs> and listen, if you preach the word of God, they're not going to like you. Because it goes against the flesh. That's what, that's what it is. What is, preacher, what is all this music about when they sing for 45 minutes and bring a little sermonette for about 10? Why is that? Because music appeals to the flesh. It really does. Now, good music can, it can, it can draw us to Christ if it is true gospel singing. But the things that we're listening in today, it's nothing but to work up the flesh. That's what it's all about. And, when, and this old flesh likes to be worked up. So we see he can be restrained. But if, if we are, become new creatures in Christ and we realize what it's going to take to get the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, he can be released. And we can, and, and we can, we can lift up Christ. Jesus said this. He said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw in all men to me. He said, I've chosen the foolishness of preaching to save people. That's what he's chosen. Now, these other things is all right in themselves. But I'm telling you what, he's chosen us to take the precious word of God. The Bible says, make, makes it very plain. It says that he that goeth forth weeping, bearing the precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. You take that word of God, that Bible. You know what? It's, it's a powerful book. In fact, the Bible, it says of itself, it's a hammer that breaks the rocks in pieces. But if I take that Bible and put it up on a shelf in my home, don't take it. Don't take it to the world. It'll, do, it'll job, get the job done. But listen, on the shelf, it won't do a thing. That's just like an electrician or a plumber. Suppose you had a plumber come to your house and say, I'm a plumber. And I need to do, do some plumbing work around your house. I say, okay, where's your tools? Oh, I don't bring my tools. Well, how are you going to do the work? Well, I know what to do. I know what a plumber's supposed to do. The fact of the matter is I'm a master plumber. But how are you going to fix my problem? And that's the problem today, folks. The Bible said there is a famine in the land. The, the, the book of Amos. There was a famine in the land, not of bread and water, but of the, of the word of God. And we're living in the last days, folks, because the Bible said in the last days, they'll turn away their ears from the truth. Preach to us smooth things. That's what the, they said in the Bible. We don't want the truth. But truth will do something to set you free. And so we see here, 
And, uh, and I want you to look at this in, in, in the last verse, uh, I mean, last chapter and verse we're going to look at. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. And I'm going to make some comments on 2 Timothy chapter number 1, verse 7. Second <clears throat> Timothy 1, 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You see, when you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of you. And the Bible says he's not given us a spirit of fear. He's not, but, but he's given us the spirit for power and for love and for a sound mind. A lot of times we use the illustration of the maniac of Gadara. Before salvation, he was running around in the tombs, cutting himself, filled with the devil. And uh, there's a lot of people today that's like that today that maybe not cutting themselves, but they're filled with the devil. And, uh, and, but you know what happened when he got saved? He was running around naked and so forth and so on. The Bible said that when they saw him, he was sitting at the feet of Jesus, fully clothed and in his right mind. You know, the world thinks that we're crazy. But the Bible said they're crazy. <laughs> Because until they get saved, they don't have the right mind. And it talks about there's some things that will happen here in 1 Timothy chapter number 1. And there's going to be three things in verse number 7 that, that I want to share with you. They all begin with ease, so it will be easy, okay? He wants to enable us with power. Now, here's what I want. You say, well, preacher, I want the power of God on my life. If I go around the room today and... Ask how many folks in here would want the power of God in your life. I mean, you want to be, I mean, filled with the Holy Spirit of God. I guarantee you there would not be too many to say, no, that's what I want. Well, if you want it, here's how it comes about. And ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. The power of the Holy Spirit is not to make you feel warm and fuzzy. The power of the Holy Spirit is to enable us to take the word of God, the spirit of God dictating to us, give that word out. The Holy Spirit of God begins to work in that person's life. That's what the filling of the Holy Spirit is. It's not, like, it's not that I may speak in some ecstatic languages that nobody else understands. It's not that I uh, have the, uh, slain in the spirit. and those. That's not what it's for. It's to be able to witness you want the power of God you can have it if you be a witness second thing he wants to enrich us with his love there's an old song I don't know who sang it maybe some of y'all that remember but there was a song what the world needs now is love sweet love I don't know who sang that but but the type of, I don't know what type of love they was talking about because there was a wrong kind of love. Love not the world, neither things in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And some things that people call love, it's really not love, it's lust. And we have to understand that. But when you are saved, when you are born again, I'm telling you, I can remember the first person I tried to witness to after I got saved. I've only been saved we got saved on Sunday, and I took off on Wednesday. We went to meet at uh, home meeting. Remember those old folks, the black folks, went up there. And uh, they, they was in the home, and we just uh, went in there and talked to them. And, and, I, and I had such a burden. Here's this one guy. He was downstairs. He didn't even feel worthy to come upstairs with the rest of us. And, I, I mean, I was sitting there as a new convert. Didn't even know how to do it. <laughs> And, and I went downstairs, and I began to talk with him and, and uh, invite him, you know, to come upstairs. And, and uh, I said, uh, have you ever been saved? You never know, know Christ is your Savior? And he says, no, sir. I said, what you need to do is come over to our church, sit back on the fourth row. And when they give the invitation, that's when I didn't know what to tell him. I could let him to the Lord right there in the basement, but I, wasn't a, I was a baby in Christ myself. I didn't know. I knew I was born again. But I didn't know that he was. What am I saying here? He enables us with that power to be a witness. He turns that fear 
That's why he says that in 2 Timothy 1, 7, God did not give us a spirit of fear. When you when you ever been out on soul winning and you knock on that door and you're scared to death what's on the other side? Huh? Have you ever, have you ever done that? I have. I mean, we come up with all kinds of things in our mind. They're going to turn the dogs loose. You know, they're going to shoot at us. Only one time I went into a house. I went. They let me come all the way in, and the guy scared me with a gun. One time. When he came to the door, he had his rifle. And so now I'm here, I said, I'm, I'm stammering, and then trying to, I said, well, sir, we just had on a soul winning visitation. I want to know if I can talk with you. Had that gun in his hand. I kept my eye on that gun because I'd been shot before. And, I, I, and he said, yeah, come on in. He keeps that gun, James, laying right across his lap while he's witness to me. And I'm thinking all the time here, well, Lord, <laughs> I'll be dying a martyr's death here, so I'll get a reward for that. But you know what? He must have noticed me looking at that rifle because he said, oh, I just want to let you know I was cleaning this thing. I said, thank you, Lord, that helped me. But you know what? The, the fear, the fear, he said, the fear of man bringeth a snare. And that power that God is going to give us when we are led by the Holy Spirit of God and you shall receive power to be a witness. There's nothing to fear on the other side of that door. And so we see here he enriches us with his love and then he enlightens us with discernment. Enlightens us with discernment. And I'm going to try to, I'm not, no, I'm not going to try to go fast. I, have you ever been at a soul winning? And, and uh, maybe you haven't been saved that long and, and you begin to talk with somebody and they ask you a question and the best thing to do is say, that's a good question. Let's get back to the, that after I come, what I want to talk to you about. But anyway, they ask you a question. You answer that from the Word of God. And you be sitting there thinking, well, where did I get that from? And let me tell you where you got it from. That one living down on the inside of you. He's helping you. And so there's that enlightenment of the sermon. When you read your Bible, before you were saved, it didn't make sense. Now it makes sense. Before you were saved, you, you know, you didn't have a love, a, a, a compassion on somebody. Now you've got it. That's because the Holy Spirit of God has come to live on the inside of you. And he's going to manifest himself, manifest the Lord and the love of God inside of you. People know when you're really concerned about them. There was a lady. She was, a, she was an invalid. She was in a wheelchair and she would, uh, but she went up to the preacher one day and said, I'm going to start a bus route. And uh, he was very skeptical. He said, and he's thinking to himself now, how is she going to do a bus route? How is she going to visit and try to get kids to ride that bus? And he said, sis, you sure that's what God, yes, sir, I know that's what God wants me to do. So he gave her a bus. He used some discernment. He started off with a small bus. You know, one of those little jobs. And the way she would do, she would wheel down the sidewalk and, and, and she would holler, hey, inside. And they don't, don't look at what this woman wants. And she would tell them, I, I, I'm, we're going to start a bus ride and pick up children to take them to church. Guess what happened the first Sunday she brought her bus kids in? It was filled up. And she said, the preacher, we're going to have to do a little bit better than this. I could have got two or three times this many on if I just had me a big bus. He bought her a bus, a big bus. And that was her ministry. You know what? When, when those people saw that little lady sitting in that wheelchair, they said that she really must care. Look at the effort that she's putting in to get my little kids to Sunday school. She filled that bus up. And I'm just saying this. When, when you are led by the Spirit of God, you begin to move towards sanctification, you will become a new creature in Christ. You have to be saved first. You cannot become a new creature until you are saved. But once you're saved, you can be, because you now have the power of God to do that. And people know when you love them, they really do. Let's be on prayer.
Let me say this, maybe for those that's watching by the internet, maybe you've never been born again, you don't even know what I'm talking about this morning. Maybe you've never experienced the love of God because you've never received His Son as personal Savior. But He's made you a promise, made you a promise today that if you would be willing to repent of your sin and receive Him as your personal Savior, ask Him to come into your heart and be your Savior, He'll do that. And once you've done that, you know what? You're going to become a new creature. You're going to start to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord and You'll see, get into a good Bible-believing church that preaches the Word of God. Don't go to just any old church. Go to one that preaches the Word of God and has a burden for lost folks. And I'm going to say this today. If you'd be willing to just to pray a prayer or something like this and understand the prayer doesn't save you, but the Bible said to call upon the name of the Lord. So today, if you'd be willing to call upon Him and say, Lord Jesus, I... I know that I'm a sinner and I cannot save myself. But I do believe that Jesus died for me. And I'm right now willing to repent of my sin, turn from my sin, and turn to the Savior. And I right now invite you to my heart to be my Savior. Lord Jesus, I want to be a new person. I, I don't like the way I'm living. I don't like the way I think. Well, if you get saved today, he, he can make that prayer come true in your life. So if you'd be willing to ask him to just to save you, he said he would. You may be a Christian watching. And you say, well, preacher, I know that I'm saved. And I know that if I were to die to go to heaven, but I don't have that peace in my heart. There's still some things going on in my life that I know it's not right. If you would ask him today to, to forgive you, He's promised there in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen, you've not gotten so far away from God, you can't come back. He hasn't moved, you have. And today, if you just say, Father, forgive me, be like that prodigal son, and I say, Father, forgive me, restore that the joy of my salvation. He promised that he would do it. Now, Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be out to the house of God. We thank you for the folks that's here and those that's watching by the Internet and some in the parking lot. We ask you, Lord, to use our families and use our people, Lord, to make a difference in the lives of others. You didn't leave us here to just sit and soak and sour. You left us here to be a soul winner. And I pray, Father, that you give us such a burden on our heart that we want to see folks saved. And thank you for the privilege of talking to people. And again, I pray for this young man that I'm going to be talking with on Tuesday. Lord, help him to be able to get off work in time and be able to uh, come and we'll have, uh, we could talk together. Help us to reason together. And Lord, I do pray that, Father, that you'd save him. Pray for Jerry that you'd save him. I pray, Lord, now that you'd meet every need. And I pray, Lord, you give us traveling mercies as we go to our homes today in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you.